Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, if you are just joining us, we have been tracking through a series from February. We're finishing it up in in August about Moses unscripted and looking into his story and finding ourselves in his story as well. And uh, And we are moving towards the end as they're moving towards that land that they were promised but they're going to hit a bit of a bump on the road as they go here. Question for you as we get going. What was your big dream that you had as, as a kid when you were growing up, as a teen, when you were like Zara and Johanan? What was the dream that you had in your heart that you always thought, I'm going to do this. Here's, I'm going to travel to this place. I'm going to get this job. I'm going to accomplish it. What was, it, what was that dream that you had before Life came and just beat you down and stole and stole all that stole all that all that hope. Student, students, if you could imagine your life, maybe maybe you haven't been beaten down. Maybe I'm being a little bit too pessimistic. Maybe you still have some dreams. What what would your life look like if perfectly somewhere down the road you could imagine ten or fifteen years? Where would you be? What would you be doing? What would life look like? Imagine yourself in that in that space. See, youth are wonderful because life hasn't come and just knocked out some of that optimism. We, we're all born dreamers. We want to be like when you're five years old, every little boy seems to have like a firefighter hat or a police hat or a sword. They're going to be a pirate or something. There's like a big dream of adventure and danger and excitement. And, and we're, all, all kids have some kind of dream that they would love to accomplish, and they, they imagine, they aspire to these, to these great things. So, so what can we take from that is that God creates us as dreamers. God, God creates us with the anticipation that there might be something big that we can accomplish in our lives. There are good things ahead of us. But it's a human thing and not a God thing. It's the world that we've created, not the world that God created where, where life becomes difficult and there's, and there's challenges because God created a perfect world without sin, without pain, and we brought some of that in for ourselves. And then failures begin to squash those dreams. At the very least, failure and difficulty begin to pull away from our dreams and, and we, we become, we say we become realists. We say, well, I'm just being real about it. It's never going to happen for me. And this is good. But really, we're, we're being robbed of the dreams that, that were in our hearts upon the time that God created us. But, and it's the systems, we need to remember, it's the systems and the societies that we've set up that have taken, not, not the one that God set up. Because he still has a dream for us that we would come to a place of perfection with him and where there'd be no more pain and be no more suffering. And it's a legitimate challenge that we morph over time because we begin to change from that created state of optimism and dreamer into what life shapes us to be. And as we pick up the Israelites' story, they were camping under a rock. Remember, if you were with us last week, they were, they were under this big rock. And if you know the area of, of if you've ever been over to the Middle East there and to, done an Israel tour or into, or into Saudi, it's, it's under a place called Petra. And it's a beautiful place. There's a whole bunch of movies that are filmed there. It's a great location. And they're, they're going to camp there. 
And it turns out they're going to camp there for 38 years. And remember, last week God brought the quail and they were, they were sustaining their lives on, on soggy manna and then they were throwing up quail because they got, a little, um, they got a little displeased with God and then God sends all this quail. And it comes time for the Israelites to prepare to take the land. They're only a year into the journey thus far. And this is fulfilling a promise that they had been told about for their entire lives. This is actually a generational promise that God said, you're going to receive this new land. You're not going to be slaves. You're not going to be wanderers. You're going to have this perfect promise that's going to be ushered into you. So this is the dream that they've had in their hearts since they've been born. It's been passed down from great grandma to great to, to grandma, to mother, to daughter. It's been passed all the way down. And every Jew would have known that God had promised them this land that they were going to have. And there was going to be prosperity and there was going to be good things for them. And now the fairy tale was coming true. But let's look how things go as they step into this fairy tale. It goes like many of our own lives go. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles, if you have them, to Numbers uh, 13. If you don't have a Bible and you want a copy of the Bible open, quickly slip up your hand and one of our ushers will make sure you get it. We've got one over, over here, guys, if we can just get a Bible um, Mark's coming and a few other, anyone else that wants a Bible, we've got a, a few copies back there. If not, uh, you can just open your, your app or your, or your tablet. Numbers 13, because we're going to go all over the place uh, in Numbers 13, but I'm going to read for you four verses, uh, verses 17 to 20. And here's what it says. Numbers 13, 17 to 20. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he's sending 12 representatives, one from each tribe. He said, go up through the Negev and into the hill country. It's important to know they're going on the west side of the, of the sea. They're not going on the east side. They'll eventually, down when they take the land, they're going to go to the east side. They're going on the west side through the Negev. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak. Are they few or many? What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or are they fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. So this is a promise that God had given them. We're going to pause there. God had promised them this land. They're supposed to go and take it. And Moses said, before we go, let's go look at what this land looks like. Let's go look at the challenges. Let's go look at what we might face as we go to take this land. Now, it's about 175 kilometers from where they were camping up into, uh, up into um, Jericho. It's going to take probably, if you, if you can average on a good day, 20 to 25 kilometers walking, like you're going to get your 10,000 steps. That happens in 10 kilometers. So you're going to be 20,000, 25,000 steps during that day. It's going to take a whole week of doing 25,000 steps. And these 12 individuals, they scout the land out for 40 days, one from every tribe. So nobody could say, hey, we didn't get one of our family to go take a look at it. We didn't, one of our family didn't get to go. This was even, everybody was going to make a group decision. Are we going to go ahead now and fulfill the promise that God has given us? Are we going to live out our dream? Numbers 13.1, scan up there. Remember this, send out the men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. It's important to know this verse. This is the land God, God already said, I'm giving it to you. This is your promise. This is fulfilled for you. I'm giving it. What I see is that God already intended to give Israel something good, but they had a part to play in this as well. And that's our first fill in the blank. God expects us to be actively involved in his plans for our lives. So God was going to give them the land. It's yours. 
But then he said, now you're going to go and you're going to have to scout it. You're going to scout it out. You're going to fight the battle, whatever battle is in place. God has plans for our lives. God gives us dreams that he already intends to make them happen. They're already in work. However, it's not less spiritual of us to get involved and work these plans and make these plans happen. Sometimes we have this Christian ideal that the most spiritual thing we can ever do to make God's plans come to take place is just to sit there and pray. It's just, if I just pray, this job will happen. If I, if I just pray, Zara, if I just pray for five years or four years of high school, don't do any assignments, don't sign up for anything, you'll just graduate because God's going to make it happen, right? Yeah, sure, she says, she's like, I like this church. I'm coming back. To, I don't have to do anything. See, that sounds crazy to us, right? We would say, I don't have to do any work. I don't have to study. I don't have to do the extra time. No, we know we have to do that. But isn't God's good plan for for Zara to graduate and move on? But Zara's got to participate in this. God has intended good things for her, but she's going to have to participate along the journey. And sometimes the most spiritual thing we may ever do in God's, in taking hold of God's plan for our lives, might not feel very spiritual at all. So the spiritual act that these spies, that these 12 representatives were taking part in was a month-long hike and spy mission. That's the spiritual act that God had for them. And I'm not saying that there aren't times when we say, no, we just need to pray, we need to, we need to fast, we need to believe, we need to wait on God. That can be just as a spiritual act of obedience as well. In fact, more so at times. But there are times when God is waiting on us to get actively involved in the plans that he has for us, the good plans that he has for us. When, when any one of us hears a dream from God, we think, or, or we have this dream as kids, or, or, we, or we hear this dream from God, we think, I need to, I need to, I need to let God take charge I need to put myself into those plans. For some of you, you believe when you got married, kids were going to be part of your life, right? That was God's blessing. We believe that kids are God's inheritance and God's blessing. Now, how active were you in kids in bringing that blessing into your life with kids involved? Did that just happen? Or was that something that you got involved in? Think this one through. (laughs) That didn't just happen, right? (laughs) We get involved in God's plans. Now, we talk about the school one as well. If, if God wants us to have these blessings, if God wants Zara to graduate, God wants kids in the life, if God wants all these things, why does he bother to make us participate in this? Why does he, in, in, in the Israelites' life, he was going to send them through the desert. He was going to send them in the battle, actually. This, did God want them to have to struggle? I don't think so. We see in the book of James 2, 17 and 18, faith by itself, if not complemented by action, is dead. Some, of, some will say, you have faith and I have deeds. James says, show me your faith without deeds. And I say, I will show you my faith by my deeds. And we, if we believe that God has good plans for us, then, there are some, then we need to be acting out on that. We need to be living as though what God said he's going to do, he is going to do. If God gave you the dream, don't expect him to do everything. And it's not less spiritual to work for the dream. Working for the dream is the demonstration of faith that God has already spoken to you. And we began, we began by reminiscing about how life has come at us, how we had dreams when we were younger, and sometimes we get robbed of the ability to dream. 
And it's foolish for us to pretend that every dream God has for us will be easy to take hold of because obstacles are a part of our life. We, we've all said life, we, we laughed and said, well, life beats us down and we, we lose the ability to dream, but it's real, isn't it? And that's our second fill in the blank is that every obstacle is actually an opportunity for obedience. Just when God expects us to get involved, to work towards the dream, then when we meet the obstacle, that's an opportunity for us to obey. Now, if you go into Deuteronomy, you actually get a more full picture of what's happening in this story. Numbers was a book that was written in real time. They were taking down notes. It's kind of like the daily log of what happened on that day. Deuteronomy was written right at the end of Moses' life, and it's more like his memoirs. And he's sitting down, wanting to make sure that all of Israel has a good picture of what happened from Moses' perspective. And he fills in a few more details. Numbers 13.1 says, send out the men. Deuteronomy 1 actually shows that this idea was brought on by the people and their inquisitiveness and doubts. Their part in the plan was just to go and fight for the land, which we'll actually see in a couple of weeks. But they decided, no, we want to see what kind of fight we're getting into. In, in Deuteronomy, it said, then all of you approached me and said, let us send men before us. They decided that it was better if they got a sneak peek at the challenges that lay ahead. Now, sometimes that doesn't work for us. A question for you to consider. Are you the kind of person that would rather know every challenge you'll be facing? Like, are you the kind of person, you want to know everything that lays ahead and every problem that might come up? Or are you a kind of person that would just rather take life as it comes and deal with those challenges as they come? Whoever you're sitting beside, just share with each other. Are you like, take it as it comes and just live it out? Or do you want to know absolutely everyone? Just take a, just take a moment. What Leslie came up with the most spiritual answer. He said he, he just doesn't want challenges. He just believes that if he doesn't, he just, if he has no challenge, it'd be, it'd be better. Numbers 13, if you still have your Bibles open, 27 and 28. When they came back, this is a month long journey. They said, it is indeed a beautiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. It's the promise. It's the dream that they always had. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. They had men carrying it back on poles, but the people living there are powerful <laughs> And their towns are large and fortified, and we even saw giants there. If you're the kind of person that God, that wants to know every detail, sometimes you're going to look down the road and go, oh man, there are giants there. And I'm not sure I want to go down that road, because even though that's the road to the dream, there are massive obstacles along, along the way. This is exactly where God had called them to go, but there were giants. Now, David Later on, he's going to face Goliath. And if you use the biblical measurement system and you put it to the metric me- measurement system, Goliath is probably, any guesses between 12 to 18 feet tall. Now, <laughs> if you look at Amos later on, it said we're going to, he's going to describe the people when they went through uh, with Anak and the Amalekites. He described them as tall as the cedars that lived in that region. 36 feet tall. This is a six foot man right here. This is Goliath. This is where they believe Goliath would have been somewhere between 12 and 18. They're estimating that the people living in this land were 24 to 36 feet tall, five or six times the height. So when they walk through the land and they're like, oh, this is where God wants us to go, is it? We're supposed to take down that guy, the 30, not a 10, not an eight foot tall, 10 foot tall, a 36 foot tall guy. Now, Numbers 33 describes them. You're like, how does a person grow that tall, right? (laughs) 
Numbers 33 describes them as Nephilim. And Nephilim are God-men. And this is first referenced down in Genesis. And this is, we're going back to the baby-making part. But this is where angels who, who rejected their role in heaven came down and had the, the sons of men's in, men and angels who were referred to as Nephilim, which we believe are living in this region, having 36-foot-tall babies. <laughs> Now, is that an obstacle you want to face as you're going along? For those of you who said, I want to know every obstacle that comes along my way. I just wish God would tell me every detail. I would be fine if I knew all the challenges. Are you going to fight this battle against a 36-foot man? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. And there's a reason why God didn't want them to go scout it out, because he had a whole wonderful plan about how to take down this city anyway that was going to involve no fighting. But... This is a real obstacle. God preferred that his people wouldn't have laid his eyes on this article. Ha, obstacle. Have you ever heard the phrase paralysis by analysis? You analyze everything and then you don't move. And the dream that God put in your heart, the, 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 the things you want to do, the life that you can envision, you don't move because you're a realist, because you've seen the giants, because you analyze every obstacle that might come along your way and you're frozen because you don't want to take a misstep. Taking on a walled city of giants is a poor strategy in a military battle. I will, I will say that. Unless, unless God has given you a dream. And research and planning and being a part of the plan is very important, but it should never stifle an act of faith. It should never get in the way. If God has said, I will do this, and it's not possible in, with your own understanding, but with me, it is possible. Research and planning should never stifle an act of faith. Christians have a tendency to characterize every obstacle as a closed door and move on. Have you ever, have you ever heard this? Well, I was moving forward, but God closed that door because I didn't get it right away. I was, I, I was going to do this, but it was just a closed door because people were rejecting my idea. If you are walking through the land and see a 36-foot giant with a sword in the land you're supposed to be in, you could call that a closed door, right? (laughs) That's basically what they're saying. They came back to Moses. That was the promise God had for us, but it was really a closed door (laughs) because there's some land over here with like five-foot-tall people. And I think we're going to try over. This feels like an open door. We're going to go. No. (laughs) If God speaks something, obstacles are not issues where we, where we turn and run. Obstacles are opportunities for obedience. Challenges are not necessarily messages from God. Challenges build up character. We're not always the person that we could be unless we face, when we face a challenge and we start to rely on God, they build up our faith, they build up our resilience, they, they reveal skills that we may never have had. Challenges are sometimes gifts from God to build up our faith. They're, they're put in our place so that we are refined and we're not left as we are. And here's this challenge that they Israelites face, preventing them from going to the dream. What do we consider for that for ourselves? It's quite possible that there's a giant standing in the way of your dream in the way of the reality that you picture. And it's so much easier for us to believe that that giant is put there by God to make us move on. That giant shouldn't be there. It's easier for us to give credence to the giant than it is to give credence to the promise of who God says that he is. And we need to begin to look around at the evidence that God has already provided us, us with. In Numbers 13 and 23, it says, when they reached the valley... 
They finally got there of Eshkol. They cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. One cluster of grapes, it took two of them on a pole, (laughs) carrying it back with some pomegranates and figs. This was the promise God had already made. This was the right place. God said, it's going to be an unbelievable land. The river's going to be flowing through. It's going to be lush. It's going to be, it's, it's, going to be fertile. Have you ever gone biking in Niagara on the lake or just been walking down there and you're walking by and you can like smell the peaches? We we did a bike trip there last year and our bikers were about to give up there. I'm not biking anymore. I'm getting off and having some fruit. Like if you're walking through that, you're walking through that region, it's just like, oh, it's unbelievable. That's the land that was supposed to be for them. We give up on our dream of living in Niagara because it's like $3 million to buy a house there. (laughs) But we're just waiting for, we're just waiting to say, God, or Rick, just go and live in Niagara on the lake. You can still be here with Portico. You can commute in, but, but I'm going to give you that home on the, on the escarpment with the peach orchard in the background. I haven't heard that yet, but I'm still, I'm still listening. <laughs> but here are the Israelites seeing this land. God had said, this is yours. Just trust me. <laughs> and so our last point is that fear is the potential to rob us of that promise. They always had the promise and they're going to lose the promise that God had for them. Fear is this emotional state that triggers a physiological response in our body. We need to know this, okay? When, when we become fearful, we get into fight or flight. You ever heard this? Fight or flight, you have, you have fear. It's important to remember because we were created hardwired to think and act differently when we, when we enter a state of fear. And it's actually to our benefit. There, there, there are reasons why we should. We're able to run faster. We're able to, we, we have tunnel vision and we lock in on the challenge that's in front of us. Now that's good if there's a bear in front of, when sometimes we're working with, with kids trying to figure out what fear is, we'll call it, is this a bear of a problem? And they, they're looking at a problem. We say, is this a bear or is this like a little teddy bear that you shouldn't be afraid of? It's just a teddy bear appearing to be a bear. And, and all of a sudden they're, they're locked in and all they're seeing is this horrible issue that's in front of them. And that's why actually eyewitnesses in most cases are not reliable because when there's a fearful, stressful situation, all you see is this. You don't see anything else happening. And they, the Israelites get into the land and they see the giant. They can't, they've forgotten all about what God had done over the last 40 years or the last year of their life. All the promises God had done, all the miracles God had done when it seemed absolutely hopeless, they locked in and they were tunnel visioned. As humans, we have an increased response time with strength and with speed. They help us, they help, it helps us run away. We dig in harder when we need to fight. We have this strength. And re- Parents, you see this with your kids, right? When they're fearful, they're like, they become so much more stubborn and that temper, the, the, the volume of their crying goes up and up and up, right? Like, we see this, this fight or flight, that, and they can't think logically anymore. It doesn't leave when we're kids. It travels with us into adulthood. They get into fight or flight and they say, we can't, we can't do this. And they're stuck in this phase. And past experiences can condition us to enter this state of fear or anxiety with a, with a trigger. Now remember, we looked at a few weeks ago, the Israelites, they were slaves, they were beaten, they had no homes of their own. These were abused, traumatized individuals that were now learning to follow God out, out in the desert. And so when they saw somebody that could if they were about to fight them, that could have defeated them and they would have become slaves again, how do you think they would have responded? Fearfully. And we got, ah, <laughs> I don't think so. I'm not going back into that life. 
They said, actually, it'd be better for us just to go back to Egypt. At least Egypt is beautiful and we could be slaves there. Now we're in the desert being slaves. I don't think that's a great option for us. Rational thought leaves when you become fearful. And when they saw the giants, they gave into their fear instead of living out their faith. Fear felt like the logical response, but really it wasn't. And verse 31, if you have it there in front of you, look at that. 10 out of the 12 spies who knew the very same promise of God that they had been raised with that promise, they had carried it with them, they saw the dream, they saw God doing miracles, they said, I'm not going forward into what God has promised for me. And next week, we're going to look at the popular, we're going to look at the response of the whole crowd. But for this week, we're going to focus on those spies as individuals, and we're going to focus on our response as individuals. Twelve individuals had seen the land, they had seen the giants, and they had all seen God's faithfulness, and they all knew of God's promise. Two of them, Caleb and Joshua, responded this way, 36-foot men with swords, let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Is that craziness or is that faith? Is that faith in who God is, who he says he is? And for the men who gave into fear, watch God's response. And this is, this is disheartening. Numbers 14 and 30. Surely you shall not come into the land which I swore to settle you, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. God had promised them deliverance from Egypt and entrance into the new land. They only got deliverance from Egypt. They didn't get the new land. They missed out on part of what God had promised them because they let fear take control of how they were going to respond. The band's going to come back. There's a Japanese proverb as I was preparing for this this morning that I read. Beautiful. It says this, fear is only as deep as the mind allows. Think that one through. Fear is only as deep as the mind allows. And I was thinking about this from a Christian perspective. How many times do the writers out of the Bible say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I I will fear no evil. The men who stood in the flames in Babylon, the three of them, said, I believe that God can deliver us from the flames. And even if he doesn't, I'm still going to believe that God is our God. I don't fear you. I trust in God. Now listen, death is something to be fearful of. Fire that burns people. When they were making the fire, they were stoking the fire and they, and, and they died. Something to be fearful of. Except if you have faith. How do two people grow up in the same place, faced with the same challenge, respond so differently? One put on the lens of fear and one put on the lens of faith and said, I'm only going to see, I'm only going to see through the eyes of God. I'm only going to see through the eyes of faith. And that's what I believe there's some of us need to take a step this morning and say, I'm not going to look logically and realistically, although there's some, there's some times where we do need to take a step back and think. But some of us are paralyzed from stepping into what God has promised for us. God has promised for us peace in stressful situations. God has promised to walk with us when we go through challenges. God has promised that he is our healer. God has promised that he is our provider. He, he, he didn't promise us a $3 million home in Niagara, but he promised to be our provider. He promised to be our protector. In fact, if you look back at, if you still have Numbers 13 open, look at verses 4 through 15. 
These are the spies being selected. And there's all these, these people's names listed. Where's the name of Joshua? I want you to look. Verses 4 through 15. He's not there. <laughs> what, what? There is no man named Joshua from the tribe of Ephraim. There's a man named Hosea, which means salvation. It means save us. So his name, Joshua's name was not Joshua. His name was save us. And Moses selected this man to go spy out the land whose name was save us and said, ah, before you go, I want to change your name to Joshua. Sound like Yeshua. God save us. The name of Jesus. Before you go to see the 36 foot tall giants that are going to be on your way, you can't save us. God can save us. Now you can go. Isn't that an unbelievable rename? God isn't calling us to fight the battles along the way. I love that. Don't look within to save us. Look to God to save us. That's how two people who can respond so differently to the same challenges that they face. One looks upward at God who promised to be our peace and strength and joy. And one looks inward and say, what can I do to fix this? God expected us to be involved in the, pro- in the process and take those steps of faith, but he expected us to look to him for the strength and the courage and the faith to keep going so that we can overcome. And many of us sit in church today with a heavy heart because of a personal challenge that you're facing. And both of these things are true. Catch this. Both of these things are true. You are supposed to work at it so it'll come true. And you are supposed to trust that God has already given you the victory. Both things are true. You're supposed to do everything you can within your ability, within your reason to to step out and make it happen and trust and believe that God is going to be the one that delivers you to do it. When our health is failing, we keep fighting, we do what we can, and we believe that God is our healer. When we don't have finances, when, job, when, when, when there's a job loss, we do whatever we can. We work, we, we build up our resume, and every day we go, Lord, you're my provider. I am not my provider. I trust that you'll be the one that will remove, that will get my resume to where it's supposed to be, that will give me the experience. People are looking for job experience, and you can't get a job without experience. So how does that work? God can do it. God says, step up, go to the land, and then watch me come through for you. If you fast forward 38 years, Joshua is now leading Israel and he's starting to take the land. They already gone into Jericho and there's one passing line in Joshua 11 and 21. Look at this. At that time, Joshua went and destroyed the Anakites from the hill country of Hebron, Debir, and Anab. Third, those, one line in all of scripture. Now remember, I, I told you before it was important to recognize when they went and scouted, they went on the west side of the sea. When they actually took the land in Jericho, they went on the east side of the sea. And they came, if you read where they went, they went on the east side of the sea. And so they didn't have to go back through the giants. But then when Joshua got into the land, he said, hey, we're going down into where, to where the giants are. He doesn't make a deal about it. There's not a plan how to take one line in the rest of the Bible that says he went down in there and wiped them out. Joshua totally destroyed all of their towns, taking hold of the promise that God had for them. I don't need to talk anymore, but I, this, this, these stories, when you really put our, yourself into these stories of the Israelites, man, it, it, should, it should cause a response out of us. So this morning, our team is going to lead us, and the words are simple. It says, I'm no longer a slave to the fear that I have, but I am a child of God. This morning, if you, if you have something that's fearful, this is an opportunity to supernaturally say, I'm going to release it. 
And I'm going to believe that God is who he says he is. I'm still going to be faithful to be who he's created me to be, but I'm going to believe that God is going to do something supernatural in my pathway. Would you stand and sing with us as a response as we get ready to close this morning? Um, to, to pray with you, I'm just going to ask you to just lift up your hand or, if you, or you just want to, as an act of faith, say, Lord, I have some fear right now. <laughs> I'm afraid of some, there's something in my way. There's a giant in my way, and I don't know what to do other than look to you. Just slip it up, and we're going to pray. His hands are raised all over the room. If, you, if you're with someone, just join with them in prayer. Put a hand on their shoulder or stand silently beside and, and pray. But let's, let's be a church together that, is, that stands beside, that supports one another, that prays with one another. Lord, you see hands raised. You see some that are even too fearful to raise a hand this morning, saying that there is a giant in their pathway. There is a dream in their heart, but a giant in their pathway. And in the name of Jesus, I pray that you give faith. You give a gift of faith of the Holy Spirit right now, that they would not look at the giant, but they would look at their provider who has already promised healing, who has already promised to remove it, has already promised victory over it, or has promised to walk through that with it with them as they go through that battle, Lord. And that one day we believe you're going to bring us to heaven and there'll be no challenge. But in Jesus' name, God, release healing in the people that need healing right now, Lord. Release release your, your spirit, release um, a job into people right now that a situation where they need a job, Lord. God, I pray that you just release peace into situations where there's anxiety, Lord, and that they're having trouble sleeping. And God, you know our hurts. You know the giant that's in front of us. But Lord, you can come and in a moment do what we could never do. And that's why we serve you, Lord, because we can't do this on our own, Lord. There's fear when we do it on our own. And Lord, we ask that you give us the ability to keep going forward. I pray that our times together would never be a moment in a church service. It would be life. We would live different. We would live like you're going to do what you promised. And God, for the moments when we forget about that, forgive us. Please forgive us, Lord. And bring something to our memories again that reminds us that that we're slipping into that old pathway of of looking at the fear and looking at the situation more than we are looking at the one who created it, who created us and who has the victory over it, Lord. God, thank you for an opportunity like this that we get on a regular rhythm to come and to worship and to be challenged out of your word. God, thank you for this, this amazing story that we've been tracking along with for the last few months that is challenging the way that we think and challenging the way that we live. Lord, I pray for anyone this morning that even, even the person this morning who is just questioning, can I even believe this? That's the fear right now, Lord. God, show them this week through a person, through a discussion that, that you're real, that you care about them, that you're speaking to them, Lord. You're going to do something in their minds and in their hearts that shows them that they can take that step. God, we believe there'll be lots more days where there'll be people up here being baptized saying, something happened in my heart, <laughs> something happened in my spirit, and I need, I, and I need to share that. And uh, so God, as we go, we do pray your special blessing be with Heidi and her family today, Lord. God, I pray that your spirit be so evident in her as a mom, in her relationships, in her community, Lord. Just, I pray that your, your, your spirit be so evident with her, Lord. God, we thank you for the privilege that it's been to be here. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.